We have the great privilege of having a guest speaker with us today. This is someone who has been a friend of the vine for many, many years, him and his wife, Marion, and known very well by Andrew and has been a senior pastor of Community Church for over 11 years. And recently, God called him out to work at Hong Kong University and HKU, where he's leading a program on character leadership. So we are thrilled to have him here. Would you give him a very warm welcome as we welcome Pastor Steve? May we pray for you? That would be great. Thank you. Father, I thank you for Steve, and I thank you for his faithful, prayerful study of your word and the desire for him to share truth with us. So may our hearts be open. I pray anointing upon him. May he speak with authority and boldness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you and great to also be with you online. And when we were having that amazing worship, I had this image of you, Andrew, dancing in your hotel room there. So as we worship together, I pray that if you're here in the house or wherever you are worshiping, that God would speak to us. And thank you for those prayers, Carla. And so I would say this, don't stop praying now, okay? Keep praying. My mom uh, was a saint, and she told me once about a time, she was in a small town in Florida, and uh, she didn't really know where to go to church on a Sunday, so she decided just to go to the church closest to her. She went there, and she said the pastor was really struggling. He just couldn't seem to get any point across. So she said, uh, you know what, Steve? So I prayed for him, and he got much, much better. So I'm counting on you to keep praying and don't stop praying. We're going to talk today about courage, courage in challenging times. But before we do, let me just say what a delight, what a joy it has been for Marion and I to worship here together at the Vine over this last year since October and to come every week and to hear God speak to us. We have been, uh, as Carla said, kind of friends of the vine for a long time. We did a number of uh, justice conferences together. And I can tell you that right in that section, right over there, one justice conference, there was a couple of pastors together and we were praying and God, through the Holy Spirit, just spoke to me in a powerful way. Now, there is nothing special about that section over there, right? So don't feel like you should move over there. But you do look beautiful over there, though. So, but anywhere in this room, God has a word for us. And as Carla said earlier, when we were praying, that's what we heard. We heard that the Holy Spirit wanted to take the song, to take the prayers, to take the welcome, to take the message, and to individually translate it for you. Now, that's going to take humble courage in order for you to receive that. So wherever you are in your walk or in your relationship with God, whether you feel you're far away or close, God has something for each one of us. And I have found that when he speaks, it's actually pretty simple, like a child, because we are children of God. So it may be as simple as just hold on. Or it may be as simple as uh, I love you, or you're beautiful, or I don't know what it is, but God has a word for us. 
And so we do not want to miss it. Now, what I have found also is that the Holy Spirit loves to speak through his word, the word of God. And that's one of the primary ways for me that the Holy Spirit speaks to me is through the word. So I love it that every Sunday we come to the vine and we open up the word and we hear what the spirit is saying for us. So today we're going to do that, but we're going to have only one verse today. So the verse is this, Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now that's a short passage, right? But it's a powerful one. If we can receive it, if we have that humility to say, I need this and that courage to act on it when we hear what it's saying to us. So be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That's the text. A little bit of the context. And you can see that it comes from Romans, Romans 12, 12. Romans sometimes is called the Himalayas of the New Testament. Because in Romans, Paul reaches these lofty heights of insight, spiritual insights. And for me, I'm not sure if it's Romans 8 or Romans 12, which is the, the Everest of the Himalayas, or maybe the K2, which is which. But Romans 12 is full of power. It starts with these words that we know. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies in living sacrifices. In other words, he's saying, give it all. We're all in. That's how he starts this passage. And then he goes on and he says this, do not conform no longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you remember Pastor Andrew when he preached on a different spirit? And that's what this is saying, is don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. But then he says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, let's think about how we might do it differently reframing. I believe that's what God has for us this morning. Now, if you have your Bible in terms of you're looking at it on your iPhone or whatever, you might see right above verse 9 in chapter 12, there's a little subtitle. Uh, that's an editor's. Those weren't in the original text, but they're helpful to find the context. One of those that I read uh, said that the following were marks of a true Christian, 9 through the end of the book. Mine just says love. And one of the ones I like the most says love in action. Love in action. So that's my question for you. What does love in action look like in your week this week? What does love in action look like? Because Paul, in Philippians 5, 6, he said this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You know, in this complicated world, sometimes we need to get down to the simple. And what Paul is saying, it's about love. So what does love look like in your life this week? Now, I believe that Romans 12, 12 can help us answer that question. It can give us some clues of what does that look like. So it's a short verse, but it's a powerful verse, and it's so short, I think we should memorize it. What do you think? Yeah? I think we should do it right now. Should we do that? Something a little different? Okay, good. Some people are going, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, let's try this together. This is how it's going to work. It's really simple. We've done this in a number of different settings. So what we'll do is, first of all, let's just say it together. Say it together. Be joyful. Faithful in prayer. Okay? So it's pretty simple, right? Okay, so turn to your neighbor, and you get to give them a little encouragement by saying this verse to your neighbor. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Okay, your other neighbor is jealous now. So turn to their other neighbor and say, exhort them. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And this may be the last time Pastor Andrew lets me preach here. But thank you. Thank you for working with me on this because this is important. And I want to do it one more time, but this time I want us to think about what we're saying, right? The words and and say it to me. I need this blessing. Be All right, you guys did it. That's good. So the heroes in the dark made it hard for you, didn't they? They took away your, uh, your cue card there. But be joyful in hope. Patience in affliction. Faithful in prayer. We would do this sometimes in the prison ministry that I was working with at Community Church over six years. Every month we would go in, first of the month, into Lychee-Cock, and we would gather with the brothers there. And sometimes, often, we would learn Scripture together. And I would say to them, you know, tonight, when you're in your cell and it's dark, you can't read the Scripture, but it'll be there with you. You can lie there and know the calling to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I would say to them that when they come to that time where they're in front of the judge and they've got their earthly lawyer advocate on one side and they've got the Holy Spirit advocate on the other side, they've got the word of God within them. They can't open their Bible in that setting, but they can know the word that is in them. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And you can too. So tonight, when you're in your room and the lights are out and you're having a hard time sleeping and you're thinking about the meeting the next day and you're wondering about God's word for you, you can be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. When you're in that meeting tomorrow morning and you've got your colleague on one side, your boss on the other side, you can be faithful in prayer. You can be patient in affliction. You can be joyful in hope. Because it's in you. It's in us. Okay, but it's here right now, right? And so this often happens, I think, in, uh, with followers of Christ, is we have too much head knowledge. Everything's up here. But it doesn't make that 18-inch journey all the way down to where it counts into our heart, right? Because when it's in our heart, then we live it out. So that's what we want to focus on now, is what does it mean not to memorize this, but to know it by heart? If we know it by heart, then, um, then we can live it, and it can be love in action for us. So we're going to need some help for that. And as, uh, as Carla said earlier, uh, last year, Marion and I felt the Holy Spirit calling us on from Community Church, which was a difficult, kind of challenging time to go on because we had poured our love into and there was deep love there. But we felt God was calling us on. 
And we didn't know at the time where he was calling us, but then we, uh, we followed God and found that he was calling us to the University of Hong Kong. And as Carla said, right now I'm there working with character leadership, uh, with a team that's developing character leadership for the next generation. So first-year students, they'll be there four years in character leadership. Now, the point of character leadership is that, you know, in traditional uh, leadership theory, there are three C's, right? There's your competence, there's your commitment, in other words, how gifted you are, how hard you work, but there's a third C that we often forget, and that is character. And just like the others can be taught, hard work and uh, competence, character can be taught. So how, how can we teach this? One of the key components of teaching character uh, that again and again, from all the way back from Socrates to Aristotle and on to today, is that a key component of learning character is what's called an exemplar. An exemplar. Do you know what exemplar is? Yeah, good. Exemplar is basically a fancy word. And it just means it's an example of someone who's an example consistently for good in your life. You have many exemplars in your life if you've thought about it. And I'm sure you are an exemplar for many. So I want to introduce you to an exemplar this morning. I met this exemplar about 15 years ago in Hungary. And his name is Father Olafsson. Now, I believe Father Olafsson can help us in terms of understanding what Romans 12.12 means in our life, but also understanding what would it mean to live with humble courage this week. A few years ago, God laid on my heart these two words, humble courage. And I feel this is what we are called to live out our love and action with. So let me tell you a little bit about Father Olafsson. Father Olafsson... Uh, the father comes because he's a Benedictine monk. He was in Hungary. I met him at an international pastor's conference. We were there, and it was a very informal type thing. Someone just announced, would anyone like to meet Father Olison? He's going to come over this afternoon. You can have coffee with him. So there's about five of us that decided, yeah, that sounds like a good, good deal. So we sat there with him, and then Father Olison began to speak. He was 90 years old at the time. And he began to talk about the time right after World War II where he was put into prison into a Soviet gulag for 10 years. He and his friends were both put, or all put into this gulag. Now, at that time, hundreds of thousands of people were being put into prison in his country. And only hundreds were returning. But Father Olson and his friends, they basically said, we not only want to return, but we want to re come home stronger. And so they came up with four rules. By rules, just ways of living. And these ways of living helped them to live love in action, and it helped them to be stronger. It helped them to have humble courage. So I'd like to share those with you. Would, is that okay? Would you like me to share the, the four? Yeah? Okay, good, because I don't have anything else. So that would be good. <laughs> All right, rule number one. Rule number one is don't complain. So we're going to start with the hard one, right? Right off the bat, don't complain. 
Father Olson also expressed it in this way. He expressed it, don't over-dramatize your suffering. Why? Because it makes us weaker. And he realized, when you're facing challenging times, none of us in this room is in a Soviet gulag. All of us in this room and whatever room you're watching from is facing a battle. We all have something challenging in our lives. And so what I believe is these rules, these guidelines can help us to face these challenging times. Now this one, what Father Olson said, is he said, we found it made us weaker. So we made a pact that we would not complain, and there's lots to complain about in a Soviet gulag, as you can imagine. But we would not complain, but yet what we would do if this one of us started to complain, because it's easy to start, then the others would say, tell us about your job. And there were people there who had been plumbers, they had been uh, lawyers, they had been doctors, they had been all these different jobs. And he said, I discovered more about different vocations in those 10 years than in my whole time. Don't complain. Paul, who also was in prison, also facing a challenging time, he said it like this in Philippians 2. He said, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then, and I love this, then you will shine like stars in the sky. Amen? Okay, so that word grumbling is in maybe some of your translated, translated complaining because it's the same word. It's also the same word that goes back to the desert with the children of Israel who were grumbling in their tents, okay? So here's the time of confession. How many of us have been grumbling in our tents in this last week? My hand is raised. So we're grumbling in our tents. That's what we do, right? But what we hear here is that if we can refrain if we can refrain, then we can shine like stars. Here's what I've found. You know, it's hard to be joyful and complain at the same time, right? So when Paul says, be joyful in hope, we need to not complain to give ourselves a chance, right? But that's the first one. Be joyful, do not complain, shine like stars. Let's go to the second one. The second rule, find joy in small things. Find joy in small things. And here, Father Olson basically said this. He said, don't go looking for trouble. Trouble will find you, right? Look for joy. Don't go looking for trouble. Trouble will find you. That sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus says, in, in this world, you will have trouble. Today has enough troubles of its own. Don't go looking for trouble, but go looking for joy. Now, we just finished here in Hong Kong. Well, I actually finished around the world, but uh, finished the Olympics, right? But here in Hong Kong, it was a special Olympics for us because we really did quite well uh, as our city in terms of six medals in the Olympics and then in the Paralympics, which just finished last Sunday, five more medals coming in. At the time of uh, Father Olafson's time in the Gulag, he said one of the toughest summers was the summers of 1952. It was just wretched during that summer. But the same summer was the Helsinki Olympics. 
And so what they decided to do, they decided, we're going to make our own Olympics in here. So they came up with this idea for their own Olympics, and the idea was very simple, that basically what you would do is you would look during the day for the, everything that you could be thankful for. And then the way the game worked was at, in the evening, right after the cabbage soup, then uh, they would share the things that they were thankful for. And they had no medals to give, right? But the one who had the most for that day, then they would ask him, what's your favorite song? And then they would sing him that song. It's kind of like an anthem, but as an honoring of him. Father Olson said that summer, the grand champion came up with 17 things in one day that he was thankful for in that Soviet gulag. And when he was explaining in his victory speech, he said, I was too busy trying to find them and to remember them to actually complain or to actually think about the suffering. This is the flip side of being joyful. If we don't complain in order to be joyful, we do look for small things to be grateful for on the flip side of being positive. And this also helps us with hope. Because after a while, when our joy quotient goes down, it's harder to be hopeful. But Paul says, be joyful in hope. So I want to I share with you a little definition of hope that I hope you find helpful. And it's one I came across uh, last year. I was just going through some research. And it's one by Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas from the 13th century, father of the church, a great teacher. And he defines hope as this. He says, hope is a future good, difficult, but possible. Okay, so here's what I would like you to do. Whatever challenging time you're going through right now, then take these four parts of the definition and overlay them on your challenging time, right? So I'll, this is what I did. Because when I came across this, I was going through a very difficult time. And so when I read it, I thought, okay, yep, difficult, check, that's true. And then I came back and I said, is it future? Definitely, I'm not feeling good right now. It's definitely in the future. It's difficult, it's in the future, or it wouldn't be hope. But then I thought, it's actually possible. I'm not just having a, uh, like a wishing, but it's possible what I'm imagining. And it's actually good. And so Aquinas goes on to say right after this, that this is possible in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus all things are possible, and nothing is impossible with God. And so if you're in a place like this, and you do have a lineup with these things, hold on, hold on, because in Jesus Christ, it's good, and it's possible what is coming. But then you might think, okay, that's nice words, but can I be joyful in that hope? And here, I think we need to redefine, uh, we need to reframe, as we talked about in the beginning, what joy is. Because, see, joy is not the absence of suffering, but joy is the presence of God. Joy is not the absence of suffering. They're right there in the middle of a Soviet gulag, but it is the presence of God. When Marion and I we're living in, uh, in London. Our oldest and our youngest were both born in London. And uh, when we were living in London, at that time, 
this is obviously pre-COVID. There was lots of travel. People would come in, and just like living here in Hong Kong, people would come and visit us. Then they would come and visit. And so we would take them on a tour of the town. And one of the traditions that we loved is when we were going around uh, London, you know, at Buckingham Palace, they have this tradition that when the queen is in, the flag is flying, right? So you go by and you kind of take a look, is, is the queen in? Oh, she's in, and I'm not sure what it means in my life, but it was kind of encouraging, right? So you say, okay, the queen is there, right? Now think about joy. If the flag of joy is waving over our lives, the king is in. The king is in. And that's actually one of the indicators sometimes for me, is if my joy is going, then I need to be closer to God. But the joy of the Lord presence of God. But how do we do that? Okay? And that goes on to the next one in terms of rule number three, be humble and be noble. But let me stop here. So how's this going? Is this, is this making sense? Yeah? You with me? Yeah? Clear enough? Okay. All right. We'll hand out coffee in a little bit. And No. Okay. Thank you for your prayers. Rule Number three, be humble and be noble. Now, at this point in our conversation over coffee with Father Olufsen, he struggled a bit. And he was struggling to put into words what is rule number three. Some of it, I think, was a translation problem from Hungarian to English. But some of it is he was really struggling with what does this mean? And he came up with these four words, be humble but be noble. And this is what he said. He said... We don't have the power of the world, but we are not ants before the mighty. We don't have the power of the world, but we are not ants before the mighty. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The Holy Spirit. His power within you. And this is what Father Olison was getting at. There's a humble courage that is ours in Jesus Christ, who humbled himself to the point of death and endured the cross. There is this humble courage that we have uh, together. Now, he gave us an example that some of the guards were helping some of the, uh, or excuse me, some of the, the brothers, the prisoners, were helping the guards. They didn't have to, but it was just a part of their saying, we are not ants, we can serve. Now, I was thinking about two, year 2018. And in 2018, as I was preparing this sermon, or not, I wasn't preparing in 2018, as I was preparing this sermon, thinking about 2018, there was a time where Kung Sung, who runs prison ministries and uh, here in Hong Kong. And they had an idea that year that they wanted to bless the guards through the brothers. And so they spoke with the brothers, talked to the brothers, and the brother says, yes, we want to be a part of this. And so we would go in, as I said, every month. And so the idea was that Kung Sung basically came up with a song, uh, and the song was Stand By Me. And then they came up with a dance uh, that we all had to learn, or got to learn, I guess. And uh, as we would go there after the teaching time, we would all learn this dance together, and we would learn the song together. And then the day came where we were going to honor the guards. 
Now, I'm not sure if my dancing honored the guards or not, but we all danced and we sang. And the guards were moved. And they brought in some of the higher-ups and we blessed them. And after everyone had left, and it was just the brothers and us, then I told them, I said, what you did today is beautiful. It's truly love in action. It's being humble but noble. It's this humble courage coming through. You know, and humble courage is actually, it's meant for hard times. Because in hard times, we are humbled, right? And in challenging or hard times, we also need courage. And it may be that you're going through a very challenging time right now in a relationship. And maybe you need the courage to say something to a person. But you also need the humility to listen when that person responds. Or maybe you're in a situation where you have the humility to know that you need some help. But you also need the courage to act on that. This humble courage is ours in Jesus Christ. You know, this part now is really talking about be patient in affliction. Rules number one, rule number two was about being joyful in hope. But this one is what does it mean to be patient in affliction? If you were translating word for word the original Greek <coughs> for be patient in affliction, it would basically be in affliction, enduring. Enduring, which is translated patience. It's not a bad translation, but it's this idea of persevering, patience holding on. Uh, and it's also this idea that it continues to go on. That's humble courage, right? Because don't get me wrong, please don't understand me. Courage does not always roar. Courage is not this soldier one minute in battle courage. It's the courage which sometimes, just where we say at the end of the day, um, I'm going to show up tomorrow. And that's courage. Or I'm going to show up in a relationship. Or I'm going to show up. In this last year at the University of Hong Kong, there have been many times where I have just felt overwhelmed. Um, times where I just felt there was more demanded of me than I could really help out with. And so basically on those days, it was just hum just trying to say, okay, I'm going to have the courage to show up, right? Let's keep that. Let's not tell my boss about that, okay? So, actually, my boss might be watching on TV. But um, that's courage, humble courage. Humble courage. How do we get that? We can teach that. We can learn that. But there's an essential element of humble courage. And that is rule number four. And our last rule. So as we go to rule number four. And that is cling to God. Cling to God. At this point, Father Olison said, he said, we found that those who had someone to cling to did much better. And then he said this. He said, as Christians, we all have someone to cling to. And we cling to God. We cling to Jesus Christ. If you're here or online and you're not a Christian or Christ follower, it's open to you as well. It's 
always open to say with humility, I need that and the courage to act on that. Everyone in this room who is a Christian at some point exercised humble courage to become a Christian. We had to confess, I can't do this on my own. And we had to have the courage to say, am I supposed to give everything? That feels like a lot, right? And so that's what it is, is that humble courage. All through uh, the summer, Carla started us off, uh, and then we had Promise, uh, we had Tim, we had John, and they were unpacking the Psalms for us in a beautiful way of what does it look like in everyday life. Uh, here's a Psalm 63, and Psalm 63 says this, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Father Olofsson died uh, when he was 100 years old. And he, when he, the day he died, there was actually there was a book published about him. And in this book, it, uh, it was on his 100th birthday, it was published. It says, I am aware, this is Father Olofsson speaking. He says, I am aware of the fact that I am a simple man of average abilities. I have no special physical or mental skills, but... Life always demanded more from me than I was capable of. Can I hear an amen on that? But life always demanded more from me than I was capable of. God always stood next to me and more than once helped me in miraculous ways. Be faithful in prayer. One of the things that Father Olofsson said is he said, in that prison, we hung on to the scripture and we hung on to prayer and they held us. So we've been looking at scripture, right? So be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. But let's do the last part now together. We're going to go into a time of prayer because to cling to God is to just go to him and to say, God, I need you, to have that humble courage. So let me do this. We're going to close. Um, and sometimes it's nice to stand when we pray. So I'm going to invite you, if, if you're comfortable, to stand as we pray. Um, if you don't feel or if it's easier for you connecting to God sitting, that's fine too. But if you stand, it's kind of a physical prayer. It's basically say, we're standing together. Remember, it wasn't just Father Olofsson. It was Father Olofsson and his friends. He gets his name on the rules, but his friends were there as well. It's not any one of us who can do this. We do it together. We do it together here at the Vine. And also, none of us can do it without Jesus Christ or with God's help. If we go out and try to do these four things on our own, that'll last about two weeks. But if we can start at the end with rule four, then what I think we'll find is the others will come supernaturally natural. So let's pray for that. Let's pray together.
so I want to invite you that if there was anything in this message where you felt really connected and I believe God was speaking during that time. So go there and carry on this conversation with God. And if you're not a follower of Christ, there may have been something that spoke to you. Go there and reflect and think on that and cling to God. Jesus is open and available and always with us. And he's ready to answer us as we call out to him. This last Saturday, as I was praying, not yesterday, but last week, I was praying for you. And I felt the words from Isaiah coming to me to say this, before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. So before you even call to him today, he's answering. If you're speaking to him right now, he is hearing you. And if there's one area that you want to be stronger in and you realize that's a character area you need to grow in to, to have more humility, to have more courage or whatever, ask God because we can learn these things and we have the beautiful teacher of the Holy Spirit to teach us. And we learn together. And if you're in a challenging time, right now with humility just say that to God and with courage say God I will whatever you want I will do Thank you, Jesus.